Hi, this is Dr. Adrian. Welcome to Health Bite, the podcast where we explore all things health and wellness. Well, welcome back, everybody. I'm so glad to be here on our Health Bite podcast with Sharon Palmer, who is a registered dietitian and has expertise in plant based eating as well as uh, sustainable eating. Um, she is an author, she's written several books, she's active in practice and an active blogger. And so we're so excited to have you here and to learn from your expertise. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Thank you, Sharon. So um, I got a little bit of information on your background and your history. And um, it sounds like that you have been sowing the seeds of sustainable eating since your childhood. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I think you're right about that. My parents were both farmers, so I had a, a long love for like the earth and mother nature and being a part of that in my food choices every day. And what did you do kind of specifically in that work that you think impacted your, your present day work and your present day lifestyle? Were you active yeah. in the farm, picking, uh, picking and plowing? <laughs> well, my parents, even when they we uh, lived in the suburbs, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. Even when my parents moved, you know, from the farm to the suburbs to raise their family, we had a large garden and really produced all of our fruits and vegetables. And uh, what we couldn't produce, we would go and buy directly from a farm. We would can, make our own bread. And this was before this was in style, you know. Now people would eat that up. But in those days, it wasn't very common. Um, sure. So we, I like to say that we lived kind of the blue zones. I don't know if you're familiar with the blue zones. Sure. But, and I actually went to school at Loma Linda University where the blue zones, you know, that is the blue zones in the yes, United oh, States. Wow. Yes. So, so that kind of influenced my uh, nutrition education as well, because their philosophy is really on eating more whole plant foods. It's a plant-based campus. So it really did impact the way I, I went in my nutrition career. And did you find that you were always kind of aligned with this path or did you have a time when you kind of rebelled against your upbringing? I would say there was a little bit of time um, after I graduated with my degree in nutrition, actually, I, I kind of ate more of a an average diet, but it was always very healthy because we, I grew up with so many fruits and vegetables. I crave fruits and vegetables. So that was always part of my life. But, but, um, I would say that my diet was more like semi vegetarian for a while. So, and then I quickly kind of went right back to the roots of my eating style. Um, yeah. But always really using food kind of like medicine, right? It sounds like you were always a healthy eater and yeah. And that never changed. Yeah. Yeah. I think I really became passionate about that in the last 20 years uh, because the research has come a, a long way in the last, I would say the last two decades, you know, we know so much more about how plants can help heal and nourish our bodies. That's right. I mean, um, it's interesting that we, we require those studies to kind of validate what we've always known to be true. Uh, but you're right. The research has come a long way in regards to food and health. And um, even if you're not completely uh, plant-based, at, at least incorporating a significant amount of your diet from a, a plant-based uh, diet, um, yes, is, is helpful. 
Um, and so tell me a little bit about your present day uh, work and, and how you kind of execute that in practice. Yeah, well, in the last uh, um, two decades, I've really focused my career as a journalist. Um, so I've written books on healthy eating and lifestyle. I have a very popular blog and uh, social community group where I interact with people. I do a lot of speaking uh, on these topics and um, you know, writing articles and magazines, being interviewed um, in the media. I'm on television every once in a while talking about nutrition. So those are all ways that I've been really engaging with people more uh, and talking about some of the things that you were mentioning about prevention and how all of these elements of a healthy diet can help people live better, longer lives. Yeah, and, and I'm interested to know, since you are engaging with people on around this conversation, where are some of the barriers that you find or some areas of resistance um, to implementing exactly what we know to be true, you know, that this is a healthy lifestyle? Well, I, that's a great question. I think one of the barriers is misinformation, because even though, you know, my philosophy about a healthy plant-based diet is one that focuses primarily on plants, more whole foods, you know, things that come close to mother nature. That would include things like pulses, like beans and lentils, whole grains, fruits and vegetables. But you'll find some people that think whole grains are evil, you know, that they're not healthy because maybe there's, you know, a, a fad that they're trying um, or they've read something um, or they eliminate things like pulses, beans and lentils, even though we know they're so helpful. So I, I do, I see that as one barrier where people are confused by misinformation about what a healthy diet really is. Um, and then I think other barriers, people assume that these, these healthy diets are going to cost a lot of money or they're going to take a lot of time. Um, and I think that there, that can be a misperception because you, you can make a healthy diet um, something that's achievable and, and you can make it budget friendly. So there are ways around that too. Yeah, you're right. This this point about the the misinformation is very valid. And I think even though it's very intuitive how to eat right for your body, it is also confusing because um, particularly because those fadsy folks out there, um, that fad diet space is so noisy <laughs> that yeah. they drown out kind of the voice of reason. And so I, so I also agree with you that that is a barrier for people to just know, you know, what really is truth and, and what really is real. Yeah, for sure. And, and then the second point that you make is the um, feasibility of it, right? Like how can you make it costly uh, or uh, not cost prohibitive, for example, or time prohibitive, which is, I think, these days a more valuable resource than money, right? Time is everything. So what are some tips that you would share um, to both those ends? How would you advise people who see that as a barrier in their health? Yeah, um, when we... When I first uh, look at budget-friendly, for example, uh, a lot of people assume that a healthy diet is going to cost more. And indeed, when you look at some data, um, it, it could be true that a healthful diet could be more expensive than today's very high-energy, uh, low-nutrient diet, like going to a fast food and getting the dollar special or whatever. Um, you know, you can never compare uh, the price of a healthy diet to something like that. But at the same time, um, there are ways to eat healthful foods that are budget friendly. For example, eating in seasons. You know, when you when you um, choose produce right now, and I live in California this time of year, we have the root vegetables. We're starting to get the peas in, the, 
spring, like radishes, um, things like that are coming in. The greens are in style or in season right now. And in style, right? (laughs) Yeah. In style too. Um, so anyway, if I choose, choose those foods are going to be more reasonably priced than if I, if I go to the store and buy something that has to be shipped in from another country this time of year. So eating seasonally can be, uh, make fruits and vegetables more inexpensive and, um, you know, whole grains and beans and lentils are, are some of the most economical foods on the planet, especially for protein sources when we look at beans. So these things are very affordable. Um, also, I think cooking can save people money and people have lost their culinary skills. They, we're in the third generation of people that don't know how to cook because we don't have home economics in, in classrooms uh, uh, like we used to. So now we have generations of, of people who really do not know how to cook. And that's I always see that as a challenge for healthy eating when you're, when you're really eating everything out of a package or going to um, a restaurant, we know that the choices aren't usually as helpful. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I do, I do want to get back to that because I agree that, um, you know, eating out is a very important culprit to our current health woes um, as well as, as the cost issue. Right. Um, and, and the finances around eating. But I want to go back to something else you mentioned that I loved, which is the seasonality of, of food. Mm-hmm. And so with that in mind, can you go through the seasons and tell us your, your top picks of what you keep in your, your fridge or your pantry based on the season? Well, I live in California, so I'm really lucky because we have amazing uh, farmer's markets. And I grow a lot of my own food too. But so right now I was just at the farmer's market and I brought home some, the snap peas are beautiful right now. And, and all the little tender lettuce greens, and um, herbs, all those are really good. Radishes. Oh, the citrus isn't, is, this is the time for citrus. Avocado. So we're talking just end of, end of winter. Exactly. Yeah. End of winter right now. That's, those are the things that you'll find in season. And then as we get into spring, you get more of the spring vegetables, asparagus, those, again, the more of the green leafy vegetables, the uh, radishes are also good that time of year. The berries are starting to come in. Um, you're starting to get some of the stone fruit, like cherries. Um, and then when you go in the summer, summer is nature's, you know, they just, it just shows off our amazing um, diversity of fruits and vegetables. When you think that plants and trees, you know, make it through that whole long, hard winter. And then summer when the sun comes out is when they just, you know, produce all thrive. Yes. That's when they produce everything typically. So that's when you get your really beautiful stone fruits, your apricots and peaches and, um, all of those warm weather tomatoes, bell peppers, zucchini, all the squashes, cucumbers, those do really well. The corn, so you really get so much of that beautiful green beans, um, artichokes, you know, those summer is really when you can savor all that. And then you go into the fall where it's starting to cool down. You can get your apples and pears, uh, your winter squashes, persimmons, pomegranates are starting to come. Yes. Love pomegranates. Yeah. And it makes eating so much more delicious when you're following the seasons and you're eating things that are harvested uh, more quickly to the time that you're eating them. The flavor is better. And we even know the nutrients are better. Absolutely. They have higher levels of nutrients. Um, the average, I mean, um, the average amount of time it's taking for produce to get to the supermarket can be up to two weeks. So, so if you think about it, that means if you're e- eating something in the supermarket it could have been harvested two weeks ago. So that's why you're seeing, you know, that the, the flavors may not be as enjoyable 
as when you're buying it uh, closer to the time it was harvested. No, absolutely. And I love that. Uh, I was taking notes on your, on your list uh, <laughs> because I think it's, it's nice to have that, um, you know, shorthand for what are the top picks and, and to base your eating around the seasons. But I'm never all or nothing um, in my recommendations, right? Because people yeah. invariably have different lifestyles and live differently. And, and while I think um, we all or some of us maybe would love to be growing and picking berries in our backyard, that's not necessarily practical. So what are your tips on um, preserving fruits and vegetables, uh, cooking? You know, patients always have questions about how are you losing if any, nutrients in the cooking process or in the freezing process or in the canning process. So what would be some tips and education you can give us around that? Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm glad you raised that because, you know, we all have different uh, lifestyles. Some people live in the city. Some people, you know, do not have a garden to plant, you know, fruits and vegetables. So of course, everybody has their own, uh, you know, needs when it comes to nutrition and, and, uh, I really recommend that it's important to get those fruits and vegetables no matter where you're getting them from, you know, and not to over worry about whether there's a little bit less vitamin C in, in the produce you got at the supermarket uh, than maybe something at the farmer's market. So I, I agree with you there. So, so you can feel pretty good about the quality of your food that you're getting and you can preserve the nutrients you know, by, by a few techniques. For example, some of the really delicate nutrients in Fruits and vegetables tend to be vitamin C and the B vitamins. So if you're cooking things in a lot of water and draining it off, you can lose some nutrients that way. So I like to recommend things like sauteing or roasting or just cooking in a small amount of water. Um, also storing um, your foods in the refrigeration that are sealed so that it's not exposed to air can reduce nutrient loss. Um, for example, if you slice uh an avocado, wrap it up or put it in a sealed container to prevent nutrient loss. Those are all kind of tips that you can do. And I always, I like to even do other things. Like for example, I use the whole vegetable or fruit as much as possible, you know, yes. so trying to find ways, you know, if, uh, like for example, if you have broccoli and, the, and there are leaves in it, the leaves are edible and they're full of nutrition. So you don't have to just only take the flower of the broccoli. You can eat Absolutely. those leaves and um, find, you know, the, even the, the leaves that come with your radishes are edible, the leaves with your beets. So finding ways to include those can add more nutrition. Mm -hmm. Um, yes, know. I love the, I love that you brought up beets. That's one of my favorites. And actually you're right. The vitamins and minerals in the beet leaf is greater than the actual beet. So it's right. a great thing to add to smoothies or to salads or to stews. Um, so really, yes, utilizing the entire fruit or vegetable. What about, what are your thoughts on freezing? What would you say about that, canning and freezing? Yeah, there's very little nutrient loss in freezing as long as it's airtight and it's not exposed to the oxygen or light. So that's something you can feel good about. Um, I, you know, I always like to make sure I'm using it at a fairly, you know, I'm not letting it sitting in the freezer for months um, and the quality diminishes, but you can feel good about those choices. Canning, um, canning, you can have a little bit more loss because heat can destroy some of these sensitive um, vitamins, but still there's a lot left. So I don't like people to just not, you know, to not eat cooked vegetables in the form of canned vegetables because there's still quite a bit in there. And there's actually some interesting research 
that shows that that there's more nutri- there's there's less nutrient loss than than we once thought in canned vegetables. So right. and actually the cooking process is good for some uh, micronutrients. So like for example, lycopene is this phytochemical. Cooking it actually makes uh, it more available to the body. So when you're looking at tomatoes, canned tomatoes have greater amounts of available lycopene because it's cooked. So this is true of the whole carotenoid family. Um, when you look at the orange and red and yellow vegetables, those, those phytochemicals actually get released from the cell of the plant wall when they're cooked a little bit better. So it, it's my whole take on it is a healthy diet. You can have some cooked vegetables. You can have canned things. You can have fresh. You can have frozen. You can have all of these things in a varied diet and you can feel good about it. Right. And they need not be very, uh, they need not be barriers rather. Um, and yes. the point about freezing is I think very uh, notable and important because a lot of, there is this misinformation that frozen vegetables aren't, are, are somehow devoid of nutrients. And, and that's not true. It's actually a very um, healthy way of preserving, like you said, in the short term, um, and I think along the lines of meal prepping, when people are living busy lives, using their weekends to kind of cook some of these and, and store, freezing is a good option. Um, and also liberating the point about liberating nutrients in the cooking process. Um, there's actually research that you probably are aware of that um, the uh, invention of fire, <laughs> right, <laughs> allowed for cooking uh, proteins and plants. And that actually was in part responsible for the growing brain of the human because it liberated yeah. more nutrients. So it is, it is really interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. It is yeah. indeed. Um, so beautiful. Uh, so speaking about, um, storage, um, what would be your, what are some of your top picks in your pantry? What are some of uh, some foods that um, that you always have in the pantry that you would recommend? Well, you'll always find a variety of whole grains in my pantry because I like to base my meals on whole grains as a foundation. You'll always find some sort of an intact whole grain. I think a lot of people think of rice as their grain that they might have for dinner, but you can also cook all these other whole grains like farro, which is a type of wheat, um, rye berries, sorghum, millet, quinoa buckwheat, uh, wild rice. These are all forms of whole grains that you can cook just like rice. And they're very rich in nutrients. They have so much fiber and they can be, you know, on your plate along with something like, a, I love to cook beans. I like, uh, I keep heirloom beans in my pantry uh, or just black beans, garbanzo beans, those kinds of beans. And I'll, I'll cook those. So those will always be in my pantry. And then I will always have a variety of spices and herbs. And I think that you can add so much flavor and also health properties. We know now that these spices and herbs are very potent in antioxidant and anti-inflammatory compounds. And when you think about just a little jar of spice, depending on what you're looking at, maybe it's two or three dollars. It lasts. It can last for a long time and and flavor so many meals. Um, if you really look at some of the popular spices like cumin, I can't live without cumin, or smoked paprika, or or tarragon, turmeric, those are all things that can add so much flavor to your meals. So you will always find those in my pantry. 
I love that. And I really, I think it's an important point to talk about the whole grains. And um, the point that I always make is that not all carbohydrates are the same. We, we vilify carbohydrates, but of course, a processed packaged carbohydrate is not going to be the same as farro or even barley that has gluten in it, right? So we, yeah. we talk so much about gluten. And I wonder how many people are truly gluten insensitive, which the medical literature shows aren't many, mm. versus are sensitive to just overly processed food. I, I would bet that that's the majority of us. We don't right. feel good. Right. When we eat very processed foods. So incorporating those good grains, which are part of, you know, a heart healthy Mediterranean style diet and have fiber, as you mentioned, and are also have a mortality benefit. So the studies showing that the more of that kind of food grains that you consume, um, the longer you live. So exactly. there's actually. Yeah, there's actually mortality benefit. So now that we know what's in your fridge and what's in your pantry, I'd love for you to get back to the point of, of cooking. And um, I agree with you, people are cooking less. Um, but I, I don't know if it's so much a lack of interest or a lack of knowledge. I think the primary barrier is a lack of time, right? Yeah. People are so stretched for time. So what are some tips you would give to people who feel that that's really not in their wheelhouse because of time constraints? Well, I agree with you. The number one barrier that I hear about cooking is time. But I also like to point out, um, I read a survey recently about how much time people spend on social media every day. And I can't remember, I want to say it was at least an hour. So, so yes, I can't remember <laughs> the exact number. So if you took that that hour and spend it in the kitchen, it would be so well rewarded, you know? Um, so that's one thing that I think that a lot of times we, um, make cooking to be more difficult and challenging than it really is. And, and even if you could do something in half an hour, a lot of my recipes, I can get on the table in half an hour. I can get a healthy dinner on the table in the amount of time it would, it would take me to call, um, take out and go drive and pick it up and bring it home. I could have a healthy, easy dinner on the table and it will taste better too. It'll be less expensive. So those are, you know, I think a lot of times, uh, the downside of all of the, the videos and food uh, network, all the cooking shows is that it makes people have this expectation that every meal has to be so beautiful and gorgeous and, you know, Instagram worthy, but it can be really simple things, you know, uh, one of the things I like to recommend is to find some go-to things that you can you can go to your kitchen any day and produce a meal in half an hour without looking at a recipe. So, for example, you talked about meal prep. I think that's a great idea. But also, like, uh, I love um, sheet pan meals. I don't know if you've heard this trend mm -hmm. where people just put everything on a sheet pan. Like, for example, whatever vegetables you have in the refrigerator, chop them up put them on the sheet pan. I open a can of chickpeas, put that on there. You could put sweet potatoes um, and then drizzle it with a little olive oil and some herbs, put it on the top shelf, roast it, and you have dinner. I mean, you could be cooking some whole grains on the side or maybe make a salad if you want, um, but you don't really have to because there, there's dinner right there. So no, it's true. these go-to shortcuts that you know it doesn't you can just walk in your kitchen and make it happen. Well, I think part of the prep is just having 
the availability of those foods in your fridge and pantry, which is why I wanted you to speak to that a little bit. Because yes, if you come home and your fridge is empty, that's going to be a challenge. So it does take a little bit of uh, time and intention, but you can spend an hour in the market on a weekend and kind of have a sense for what you're going to do right for that week. And for those of us um, or for those people out there who aren't completely plant-based, even baking chicken tenders or a piece of fish in the, in the oven uh, or on a grill plate can also be a super uh, quick proposition, 10, 15 minutes. So it doesn't, to your point, take a lot of time. Um, And it also doesn't take necessarily a tremendous amount of skill if you're using spices um, and you have the availability of that. So I like that you mentioned that as well. Um, Besides the fact that, you know, using spice also helps reduce the the salt load or the need for sodium, which is also such a big culprit for chronic disease like hypertension and heart disease and all of that. So exactly. So I love that. So um, this has all been great and a lot of great tips. Um, We talked about health in, in broader terms, right? So we, so we talk about health and food and food is medicine, but health can mean a lot of things, movement, meditation, nature, uh, mindset. Can you uh, talk a little bit about how you broadly think about health and maybe some of your daily or weekly practices to that end? Yeah, I love that point because a lot of times we think about health as these, you know, these actions like exercise, I have to get my exercise, I have to eat healthy, but it's also those, these other elements of our diet that we know are important to overall health. You know, so this idea of stress management, you know, that, that I'm going to put down my work for a little while and, and stand, I mean, now we know just sitting at a desk for too long is bad for us. Right. And, and we, we have so many desk jobs in our society now. So that this idea of, of taking breaks and and relaxing, doing meditation, getting involved in social activities. Even the even uh, the blue zones. I already talked about the blue zones. One of the benefits they found about blue zone communities is that people are, in, are engaged in their community, and they take care of each other, and and they volunteer, and they watch out for each other, and and that sense of community is a huge health benefit. So getting involved, you know, um, all of these things, gardening, um, feeling the sunshine on your face uh, five or 10 minutes a day, all of these things in our modern life can provide benefits. So I try to include those. I have two dogs and I, I, even though my office is at home, I, I make sure I get, give them a walk every day. I don't care how busy my day is. They go for a walk and I'm enjoying it just as much as they do. Yeah. So I like these things, you know, are so important. Yeah, I like all the points that you made, um, and in particular, the point on community and connection. And there is a tremendous amount of data that shows um, that connecting with others and even friendship and heartfelt conversation enhances immunity and reduces metabolic disease. I think it's the first thing to go, right? You put up your, your coffee date with your BFF because you have work to do. But in fact, studies show that it's enhancing health and enhancing productivity. So I'm glad you brought that point up. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been such a pleasure, Sharon, to speak with you and to hear your pearls. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And I, for one, I'm going to uh, get cracking on my seasonal list of fruits and vegetables. <laughs> um, 
And so it was a pleasure speaking with you and much appreciated. Thank you. It was a pleasure for me as well. Thanks. Thanks again. 